Um, so today is <clears throat> Thursday. Um, it's, uh, what date is it? The 25th of June, it's 2020. It's 11 o'clock here in Santa Fe. <clears throat> um, and today I wanted to talk about something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and I'll try to tie some things into what's happening, uh, in the, the U S right now, since <clears throat> this is where I'm at. And, um, since the rest of the world is watching too, because you know, the, the U S now is like, uh, the number one show for entertainment. <clears throat> um, but anyway, there, there's this thing now where people are trying to, where people are taking down statues, especially historical figures from, um, from the Confederate war, not the Confederate war, the uh, civil war, but Confederate statues from that war. <clears throat> and uh, I even read an article today where people are petitioning to uh, take down, I guess, or get rid of the Mount Rushmore uh, monument. And I don't know exactly how they're going to do that. Are they going to just like dynamite it? Um, but as I understand it, the, the Sioux, uh, the Sioux tribe has been petitioning for that for, for years um, and since all of this country is on native land, you know, we basically just have to bulldoze the whole country. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> what I was interested in talking about is the, the idea of history. Uh, so when I started doing my PhD, writing my PhD, which I haven't finished because I'm a loser, but, um, since I'm studying people that have trauma from paranormal experiences, specifically uh, experiences with ETs like alien abductions. Uh, one of the things I was looking at from a theoretical point of view is the idea of the narrative, um, un like understanding people through narrative. So <clears throat> I just want you to imagine if you have a story or some, some type of narrative, you have sort of these expectations that there's going to be plot characters and that it's going to flow in a sort of a relatively linear way. So you'll understand what's going on. <clears throat> now also remember that your ability, your capability to understand something will also depend upon the, you know, the context, um, your culture. For example, we have memes, right? Uh, the memes has usually a visual representation and it has uh, it's sort of an idea and a visual representation altogether. But if you're not from, you know, a certain culture, you might not understand it um, in the beginning. So, so just imagine all those things I just said that you have the story and you expect it to be set up or, um, designed in a certain type of way that, so that you can make sense of it. Now, just apply that to human experience, right? So we have, we have experiences in life and the way we learn, and you can just, you can even see this through conditioning experiments by, you know, Pavlov and um, psychologists through the types of experiments they do with learning that <clears throat> you have these experiences and Sometimes, depending on positive or negative reinforcement, you will do certain things and you will not do other things. And according to whether it's a negative experience or a positive experience, you are more likely to want to avoid the negative ones 
and do that thing that um, results in a positive uh, result. Uh, so <clears throat> we use our experiences as an accumulation of things and we build upon that. And that's how we navigate the world around us. Uh, now, we kind of, we probably, I don't know if everyone does, but we kind of assume that everyone has their own narrative because we have sort of a collective, a collective of ideas that everyone draws on. Um, and, and which is why in certain cultures, uh, everyone will understand this thing. It's like these unofficial rules. Um, but we also have our self narrative, you know, how we learned things specifically. And we uh, make decisions depending uh, depending on that being the case. Now, if you talk about people that have had paranormal experiences, I want you to think about that narrative that I just talked about, and I want you to imagine that you take a few pages out of that story, just rip them out, right? Um, that you leave a few blank pages or that you replace pages randomly in the book or a story with, uh, you know, old newspaper clippings, right? Now, <clears throat> imagine how that story, how we would be able to make sense of that story with those missing pieces. So you could probably have a general idea, but you'd be missing, you'd be missing things. And that's what I feel is happening to people that have paranormal experiences because the um, the consensus, uh, uh, let's use this term, the consensus narrative, <clears throat> even though we talk about individuality and celebration of diversity and differences, we actually expect people to conform in a particular way. <clears throat> and when people don't, they're penalized. And I feel that experiencers are penalized because their story doesn't fit the uh, consensus narrative. Um, the reason why I wanted to th talk about history is because um, in one of the books I was reading was uh, a book uh, that was written and based on, not based on, but actually the actual written um, transcribed um interview that a Roswell Air Force Base nurse had with uh, one of the ETs that survived the, the crash at Corona. Um, so you, you probably have heard of the Roswell incident. <clears throat> it actually didn't happen in Roswell. That was uh, the um, nearest Air Force Base it actually happened in a in a ranch in Corona, New Mexico. Um, but the thing was, remember that a lot of our knowledge, especially when it had anything to do with something like a crashed spacecraft or something, um, the knowledge production and the capturing of that uh, event was always done by the military. So... Um, so it was called the Roswell incident because uh, it whatever crashed there or whoever crashed there were taken to the Roswell Air Force Base. So it's now called the Roswell incident. And she did an interview with one of the ETs 
And one of the things they described is the, the manipulation of history. One of the main features you'll hear about people that have been abducted are one of the things you'll hear, like, I don't know when you're a kid. I, I'm, I grew up Christian. And, you know, parents tell you those, you know, cute little stories. Oh, when you were a baby, you know, you were in heaven and then God sent you down and then, you know, he wiped your memory, right? And <laughs> they just move on to the next piece so you don't remember it. Uh, or when we have reincarnation, people that talk about past lives. Um, and I was like, it would be helpful if you could build on that. Oh, well, I can't remember it. Your memory is erased. Um, but they say it in a sort of, <clears throat> it's like a sort of, uh, I don't want to say cute. I don't want to use that word too much. Um, but they say it as, as if it's sort of this harmless thing. Oh yeah. You don't remember because you know, whatever the parents say, an angel puts a toe over your face or whatever the fuck, you know, um, but uh, reincarnation, right? Uh, it's all this wiping. Like you'll always hear this in a lot of narratives that your memory is wiped. And it seems to me that that would be that would be like an erasing a person, right? So think of all the the experiences that you have. Let's say all that's erased. What do you have? You're missing, you're missing a part of yourself. You, you miss, you're missing yourself, right? Because you are a collection of narratives. But everybody seems to think, oh, you know, that's you know that happens. Um, one of the things this extraterrestrial said, she said, uh, apparently it was a, or at least the interviewers said that she had a feminine sort of energy, and she re the alien referred to herself. Um, I'll say ET alien is uh, probably a little bit offensive because it's it it would be something closer to like a like a foreigner you know like a stranger when, when in fact they're just not from here. <clears throat> um, but oh, uh, uh, one of the things she said is that, uh, and, and this is why I want to talk about history and also about you know mystery. So I think I've mentioned Charles Fort before, but he talked about the earth as being the site of a struggle between all of these factions, these intergalactic factions fighting over the planet, you know, when it was probably richer in certain resources. And um, even if you read about the Raelian movement, um, they talk about the fossil record and we have this idea that everything was done in just like a linear fashion. Like we have the bronze age and the silver age and the gold age. I don't know if we have a gold age, but you know, these ages, these eras. And actually that movement says that, Oh, okay. Well, that wasn't linear. Um, that was actually humans attempt to recover what was lost in the earth during the earth's and its ser uh, series of cataclysms. So just imagine that everything is destroyed. Now, are destroyed in a way where um, um, we, we lose a lot of technology or energy. Now, just imagine you would have to rebuild something similar to 
a laptop, you would be completely lost. So um, the idea we have of history, while we think of it as being linear, is actually, um, at least our pre prehistorical times, it was actually an attempt by humans to recover the technology that was lost during, um, you know, the cataclysms, uh, um, series, a series of cataclysms. And um, so what I wanted to point out that this alien said, she, she said something to the effect that um, our history is full of, human history is full of sort of this, on a very fundamental level, this memory wiping. And if you want to look at it a physical sense, since uh, humans, or at least a lot of humans are very visual, we have... Everywhere we have geographical monuments and remnants of these uh, lost civilizations. Um, they're, they're very impressive. Um, but also, there's this remnant of these sort of, uh, you know, rubbish archaeology, right? Uh, like mysticism, right? What is mysticism actually hiding? Mysticism is actually a diversion. So everyone talks about the ancient Egyptians, and which was actually a really a great civilization. And and you can have your definition of what great is. I, ha- I happen not to think that master-slave civilizations are, there's anything great about them. Um, I would think more in terms of science and technology. Um but most of the great civilizations we hear about are some variation of master-slave relationships. The ancient Egyptians before them, the the Babylonians, and the uh, where the Anunnaki come from, and then you have the Vedic, you know, the Vedic civilizations, uh, and then you have the the West, you know, the Roman Empire, and then later the U.S. Uh, I mean, the British Empire, and then the uh, uh, the uh, 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 America or the U.S., not America. <clears throat> um, and she actually says something to the effect that there's like these non sequiturs. So in our history, we look to these monuments and this greatness, and we're sort of seduced by this idea of greatness only based on the beautiful things we see, but they actually don't have any meaning. They're just like big um, I don't know, big, sexy monuments, right? And um, a lot of people spend their whole lifetime, like Egyptologists, studying these hieroglyphics um, and still being mystified by something that actually is a diversion. Now, think about this narrative again. Let's say you have... How do we preserve history? We have oral history, which is, it's easy for that to be lost because once you lose people, you lose that narrative. And then we have things and we have writing. Writing can always be manipulated. <clears throat> um, so let's look at our things. You know, we have our monuments. Um, and just to bring it back to what's happening in the U.S. right now with the destroying of statues, which personally, I, I think those are dead, inert things, and I really don't care. 
um, people walk by these monuments every day and they have no idea who they are. Uh, but one of the things that the Egyptian pharaohs used to do um, when they succeeded, well, not succeeded, it was more like uh, overthrowing another pharaoh, is they destroyed their monuments. They destroyed monuments of these people. They they erased them. They wanted to erase them. The Christians did this when they conquered uh, pagan lands, that they burned their temples, you know, burned the people alive. Uh, they wanted to erase people. And, and I see this, and I see this now, and, uh, and I'm thinking, well, history already happened, you know, whatever happened, happened. But then we have the added problem of our texts, which who writes it? The victors win and they write a version of the history. And then you have maybe people that, you know, the opposition and they write their history. And now we're sort of rewriting history, you know, every few hours in the age of social media. You know, you see these videos all the time. Um, we have the race beating ones now. That's sexy now, you know, the race beating ones. You have angry racist white person, you know, angry black person, and somebody said something before the camera started rolling. And it's like, you need to pay attention to the rules. And this person is called Karen, which is another racist term for, for white women. <laughs> and, then, and then you have the angry black person, I will cut on you, bitch. And it's just like, I don't, I don't mean to, um, I don't mean to draw on those stereotypes, but I think that's the point. It's like, it's just these caricatures. And so all you have to do to have a narrative today, you don't have to have any um, logical flow, right? You just have to have the characters and you have to have a hypnotic suggestion and that's it. And we call that a narrative. So, so actually, I think as a culture, or at least in American culture, our idea of stories and narratives is actually something that's really fractured and something that's really perverted. And you can look at our media, we're constantly perverting optics all the time. And, and so when we talk about history, we're not really talking about Or, or at least um, we're not really getting at anything that talks about the truth, but we're getting to um, we're getting to like a a general consensus narrative. That's what we're doing. So, um, um, I think last podcast I talked about that idea of paranormal. So, if you want to talk about the truth, experiences there on a long, I mean a a spectrum, a range, right? So the more you get outside of the the median, like the typical or the, um, I, I won't say normal, but average experience, um, the more people don't just say, okay, well, that's just outside of the normal. What they say is the more outside of the normal it is, the more likely it doesn't exist. But in fact, something being less typical does not make it less real. And I think our idea of history 
is is a consensus idea. It's like, what is the narrative we should have, right? So what we call truth and what we teach truth, I mean, what we teach as truth is actually just uh, a story, a storyline. It's like, a, what do those people do when they... Um, Uh, like an advertisement. Yeah, it's like a pitch. A pitch, that was the word I was looking for. <clears throat> um, so I was thinking about what are the pitches we hear now? Um, we have a pitch about... Uh, we, we definitely have a pitch about race relations in this country. Um, and we have the words, we have a large vocabulary to, um, to support that. So I don't really know how to tie this up to, except to say that think about, think about your narrative right now <clears throat> in the present. Um, and think about how you, um, and I forgot the, I think that there's this book called How Do, how Do You Know? Oh, but it was talking about knowledge production. Like, how do you come to know the things that you know? And what is the process you go through to make decisions about what kind of information you accept and what kind of information you reject? And, and so I want you to think about what, what you know. What do you accept? why do you accept it and what do you reject and why do you reject it? And I don't know. I, I think the more I like read and research things, actually the less I know, which is kind of disturbing, um, but it doesn't surprise me. Now you can think of that in terms, you can think of it on a small scale level, like, um, Oh my God, did that bitch really say that? You know, reality TV show, which is, you know, completely useless uh, to the human human race. You're not winning any points for humanity. Um, but what about if that narrative is the narrative of our existence, right? This narrative that a lot of humans follow, that we're just this sort of um, material thing. We're going to die and that's going to be it. All these things that were programmed into us, all these hypnotic suggestions that we follow um, all the time and we don't question it. I want you to think about those things. Uh, think outside of what you normally think. And, and that's really hard, right? Because what would, what would be outside? Um, what would you consider outside according, according to your experience? Um, I brought up the uh, Egyptian or Egyptology because it's surrounded in mysticism. And a lot of times when I see mysticism, what I see is, or what my impression is that it's a diversion, right? Because if you want to know something, anyone given enough time and they have enough curiosity and they have the resources can learn and find anything they need to. Mysticism is 
to me, it's like disenfranchisement, right? Um, this sort of hiding. Um, and, and we have a lot of those. Uh, what I'm trying to say is you shouldn't, uh, mis- you shouldn't mistake mysticism for knowledge or, you know, like wisdom. Mysticism is just hiding. And so I'm very suspicious of those sort of things. Of course, if you read a lot of like ancient works like the Kibalion, um, or even like the, the, the Emerald tablets of, of Thoth or something like that. Um, a, a lot of people were very mystic because they were small groups and they were mystic to protect information from getting into the wrong hands that I can understand. Um, but that mysticism is more like protection it's not hiding, hiding truth. So, uh, I think now humans at this point were basically like products of this fractured narrative and we're missing a lot. And we're not only missing a lot, but we're misdirected a lot. And so I think a lot of people are looking for truth, but we have to look through what's available to us. Um, written texts. I think uh, out of all the things we have available to us now, there's some kernel of of truth in all of them. I think, uh, for example, ancient texts like, uh, you know, in in the Abrahamic religions, the uh, Kabbalah or the Talmud, uh, the Christian Bible, which is scant, I think. Um, and uh, the Quran um, the Talmud I think is probably closer to the original intent of the um, Abrahamic religion uh, Christianity is more of a I think it's more of a perversion of um, ancient uh, ancient uh, sort of the ancient Jewish religion or the I guess Abrahamic that would be the Maybe the same thing, or a branch of it. Yeah, um, I think it has some truth in it. I think that our history books have some truth in them. Um, I think what you see in media has some truth in it. I think what people say has some truth in it. But there's this, there's this scripture. It talks about. Um, it says, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me right now. But it says we see through a glass uh, darkly. And I think we're seeing that dark part now and the other part we have to search for. I think part of the things that we need to pay attention more or at least we need to use with our available information. Um, we need to use our, um, my, my, my German tutor, uh, they have this word in German or this phrase in German. It's called, uh, uh, die innere Stimme. Um, uh, which which means the inner voice. They also have other example. I mean, other variations of that, like the inner ur, like the uh, internal clock. <laughs> like my dad is like a clock, right? Um, you can uh, you can swear by my dad. He's up at like four every morning. He's retired now, so he's probably not doing that now. At least I hope not. Um, but I think one of the things we need to start to do um, as a species, we need to pay more attention to 
our innerer Stimme, our inner voice. Um, we need to pay more attention to the information we can get from um, psychic focus. But like, it's like deliberate focus. There's a lot of psychic focal points all around us that are detracting us away from what we really need to know. Politicians, psychic focal points, um, these petty little wars, tribal wars we're having right now, they're psychic focal points, but they're useless. Um, media, psychic focal points. I mean, we have so many things in the physical world that there's a visual and then there's this um, emotive component that goes with it. It would be the difference between like, for example, um, UFOs and machines. Humans see machines all the time. This is not something that amazes them. Um, but then some, a lot of people have seen UFOs, but I, I think it's something Jung said, but the difference between a machine and a UFO is that a UFO comes with some type of psychological or, or emotive content that other machines are don't elicit that. Um, so we have a lot of these things that um, we have a certain emotion to, you know, like presidents are main focal points, especially in this country. You just have to put that face up there and everything is just dumped. <laughs> uh, when Obama was president, like fucking Obama, he's going to take our guns. And, um, um, and, and that's a caricature, but I remember when he was elected, uh, my father uh, is a retired teacher now and he, he was teaching in the South. Um, it was in Georgia and, uh, gun sales went through the roof. Um, I know the NRA and their lobbyists were cleaning up and uh, and so any sort of anger, right? Um, there are these focal points that we can just dump on. It's actually kind of sick, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you, you, you have a million focal points, right? So it was um, Obama before, and still, still Obama, or um, Hillary Clinton, for example. I hate her. <laughs> I would see people just like turn into like wild boars, you know. Um, and they they start having slits in their eyes, and you know their skins start shedding. And I was like, you know, relax. <laughs> She's a focal point. So when we want to direct our anger or any strong emotions we put it on that person um now it's trump or you could say uh who is it um uh, uh nancy pelosi um any celebrity you know like the kardashians <laughs> people are like oh my god not the kardashians but they're always focusing in on them you know making comments and they're just raking in cash you know you know all, all of them whole family the mother Kim Kardashian's ass. Uh, it's like, it, and this is for me, I I, I don't, um, 
I don't know. I, I don't really have a strong reaction when I see politicians. To me, they're like a product. They're they're like actors for a product, right? You know how they get these celebrities to advertise for I don't know Coca Cola or whatever. Um, they're like products to me, and, and it just I, I wouldn't focus. It just seems bizarre to focus that much energy on like a product. Um, um, now think of uh, people. Um, people as these focal points. And you can think of uh, historical figures. Now what we're doing, the statues. Uh, think of things that are focal points. I'm trying to think of some things that are focal points. Um um, I'll I'll think I'll tell you one thing is this this um, ancient struggle and and this goes beyond you know even for this planet, but this um, this ancient mandate to acquire land, acquire territory, you know, it's always happening, and I often think, what's the end point? So you have a lot of territory. What can you say? Oh, this is mine. Um, you can spread your influence. Yeah, I understand that. But, I mean, what's the point? Um, so that's also a focal point. Uh, for example, borders and that sort of thing. Um, I personally don't believe in borders. I think even now I understand. It, it just seems like ridiculous. But I think if most people are practical. Like, I understand why we can't just like... We, we could... But I, I just know it's not going to work with uh, our tribal mentality. Um, so, you know what? <laughs> People can't share, right? They're going to open borders. And then you're going to have a group of freaks that are going to want to take over this one and kill everyone in the neighborhood. And then you're going to have to send in the you know, state violence. And then it's going to be racist because you're focusing on this group but you're not focusing on that group. And then you, you know, you want to have like equal opportunity killing, killing, right? <clears throat> um, so I, I just don't think we're, we're not in a position where we can just say, lay down everything, lay down arms and just say, okay, well, let's try and make a system that works, right? We're just not going to be able to do that. Uh, I, I'm not even holding out for that, but I, I think, we have a lot of uh, difficult problems to deal with in terms of society and as a species, but actually the solutions are very simple. They're actually very simple. Um, we're just not willing to do that, and it's because of our it's because of our tribalism. It's part of our DNA. That's a cop out, but that's what it is, right? <clears throat> um, so I would say that those are some main focal points. People. Um, land and, and all of these things are diverting us away from where we need to be so I would say the search for knowledge is more of a sort of a neg negative energy thing and, and what I mean by that is energy that draws inward um, within itself and I think that's required for some sort of re reflectivity um, 
I always get reflectivity and and reflection mixed up. Um, I hope you get the point, but it's it's the one where you self self reflect. So uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time being concise about my idea of history. Um, for example, uh, one of the ones that were important for this country is the Civil War. Uh, when you hear about the Civil War and you watch movies about the Civil War, we have these. Uh, I've seen a lot of like Spielberg movies, which I think are very mawkish and they're they're very insulting, right? Spielberg has this way of like beating you over the head and being preachy. Um, like I saw Lincoln, and I love Daniel Day Lewis in it. I th- thought he was amazing, but I didn't like all the you know the ten minute soliloquies with the slaves and and you know the Union general who's like so saintly and I, I don't know. It just made me sick. It's, it's like the slaves. Well, I don't know when we're gonna be free, sir. But I sure want to be here when it when it happens. And I'm like, eh, we get it, you know. Just you know, finish your war. Um, are the sort of you know, white savior elements in these movies? It's like we get it, Spielberg. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys. And I really don't think it was like that. And I don't think it has to be like that. Why do these focal points have to be perfect? Again, another narrative that we need. Like, uh, what's this face that chopped down the cherry tree? Um, I think it was George Washington. I don't know. It was Honest Abe. Anyway, one of them chopped down something. And I know it's just like a legend or it's just like a story you tell, like a proverb, uh, that it might be based on some truth. But I mean, so what? You chopped down a fucking cherry tree. Like, how are you going to lie? There's no one else there, right? Um, but we have this idea. We have uh, It's another narrative we had that we need to be perfect, right? That Jesus never sinned. You know, first of all, what is sin? Um, and for the narrative that fits the people that we like, um, they also have to be fit into this narrative. Like Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves. Um, Effectively, as president, he did do that. Uh, But if you look at the history of it, he actually, that was not actually not his priority. And by his own admission, if he could have preserved the union without freeing the slaves, he would have done that. Now, can you blame him? Uh, He was uh, the president during probably the, one of the worst times in this country as far as, um, preserving preserving the union it was pretty bad um so can you really blame him and i think despite that he was actually a pretty good leader you know um this idea was his other idea of the you know the saintly north you know and obviously was better in the north than it was in the south and the west the wild west no one even talks about the midwest and the wild west um, but I, I just moved from Portland, and Portland has a huge racist history there, uh, especially against uh, blacks. You know, like like everyone hates us. It's, it's like, <laughs> uh, 
but people always talk about everywhere else but the South, like it was just like this paradise. And you get this Northern sanctimony. Um, but it actually has nothing to do with altruism. It's just plain class antagonism and regional antagonism. You know, let's not talk about our own uh, racist systems, or you don't even have to call it racist. You can call it class, classist systems. Um, but let's just pick on the, you know, the South. Oh, let me not talk about what I'm going to do when I run for president. Let me just talk about how terrible that other president is. So these people are, are setting the narratives, right? Um, the narrative that we hear is never going to talk about how envious the North was of Southern industry, right? And there's no way you can insert any alternative view of the narrative we have now. And that's the thing I, d I don't like is that there's no way to introduce relevant information once the narrative is set. It's like a cast is a, a how do you say that? A, um, I forgot the phrase, but something is set in stone, right? And it's like, you can't move it. In order to move it, you have to uproot everything, right? Because nothing will hang together. Your narrative has to hang together. And nothing can be introduced if it doesn't allow it to hang together. And so our history, our human history, our existence is all based on these non sequiturs, these sort of things that are just placed, you know. Um, what's that word? Uh, uh, I think it's an anachronism. It's like uh, when you see historical archaeological things and you see these things that are out of time and out of place. That's what it is. So we have this, we're just, collectively, we are, we've been manipulated, programmed, and w parts of our narrative have been taken out. But the thing is, we know when we're missing something, and that's the part where we're missing um, that we don't talk about. And, and I think that's why we need to work more on our like psychic abilities. Um, we have the potential for it. We just don't use it very much, but also we need to learn how to focus it and control it so that we'll have more power over the information we receive because it's good to have discernment as well. People say a lot of things, right? But as I said before, language is for commerce. Um, you know, if you need to haggle at the market. Um, but a lot of what people say is just that. They're just words. But we need to have an extra level of discernment, especially in this age of this age of growing illusions, right? With the social media and uh, this flow of information, this exponential exponential flow of information. Um so I would encourage everyone to, to do that. I don't know what your method is or what your narrative is. Um, but I would say take a break from, take a break from the spectacle. But anything you watch, anything you look at, I think you should be critical about where it's coming from, what the intentions are. It's why I don't believe in the idea of sin 
I, I certainly believe in malevolence, but it's not sin. It's about intention, right? Um, and you need to know what people's intentions are. Like, um, and humans are kind of predictable, right? Because a person can say one thing and you can like, um, you can like determine everything else about them just by that one thing that they say. So humans aren't, aren't really, um, they're, they're, they're very predictable. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, so I'm just trying to get a hold of this because for myself, I feel like, I feel like I'm missing a lot. And I know a lot of people feel like that, especially people that are like researching and trying to find things. They just come up with these inconsistencies, you know, this sort of, um, pyramid in Greece or something like that. It's these sort of things are just put down there and they're out of place and they're out of order. Um, Because even even for people that are deceitful, they have to follow some sort of logic. And the dream makers, they are betting on you not being able to pick up on those inconsistencies. So we need to be able to do that as a as a species, because we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with flesh and blood here in other tribes. We can fix that, you know. That's a little bit more predictable, but then we have to worry about what's happening to us as a species, you know. Um, who gave anyone the right to erase our narrative? Who gave them the right to hide and destroy knowledge? Who gave them, whoever them is, the right to um, program us? Who gives them the right to be parasitic off of our energy and to um, send us back into this looping effect. And I think the more we understand about our place as cosmic beings, the more we can uh, recover what we've lost and the more we can get out of this. Um, it actually makes me pretty angry. And it makes me more, more angry when you're here on earth and all this, you know, this petty stuff that humans are still dealing with. They're just throwing spears at each other, you know, 90,000 years later, but now we have nuclear weapons, right? And, um, uh, better grooming habits. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to be indifferent, like I'm so above everything, but most of this stuff is just not worth it. I, I deal with things on a cost benefit analysis and, most of this stuff is just not worth it. Um, somebody calls you a racial slur, middle finger, and tell them to kiss your ass. That's all the energy you should be putting towards that. Someone cuts you off, middle finger. That's it. Why are we Why are we wasting our time on, you know, like somebody calls you a dickhead because you cut them off? That's not a constitutional crisis. That's not a cosmic issue. That is trivial. So you just 
short bursts of um, energy and then you should be done. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't be reactionary. We, we react like that because that's what humans do, right? I mean, most animals do that when they you do something to them that's displeasing. Uh, I think that's fine. I don't think there's any reason for us to censor our, ourselves um, in every case. I mean, pick your battles. But I think we should be mindful of how much energy we're putting in into certain things. And most of the stuff everyone's screeching about now is just completely useless. It is absolutely fucking completely useless. Um, everyone's offended at everything. And they're doing this thing where they're trying to control language and they're trying to control psyche. And and I think there's a lot of pushback now, as, as there should be. But, you know, if you thought on a cosmic level, you, you would just see how petty this is and how useless it is and how it's not doing anything for humanity except it's causing us to be more tribal and it's causing us to um, hate and be more suspicious of each other. Okay, so that was rambling, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want it to sound like a lecture because we're just talking here, right? But I think everyone is, uh, um, what did this extraterrestrial use? She used the term is be, um, is hyphenated be, all in capital, because it, it was a proper noun, because um, we're not here for a reason. We are here be because we're here. Like when God said, um, when they asked, who are you? He said, I am. And that's what we are. We're here. We exist. And and with we we had we uh, are that without qualification. And um, I think if we realize that sort of power in us, then we can do a lot more things, and we can get rid get rid of a lot of the static. Um, so again, I, I'm not saying that I'm like superior or anything. Uh, I think we're, we are all equal in that sense. We're all equal in terms of our birthright as uh, cosmic beings, as gods, or whatever you, you want to use. Um, and we need to learn to uh, use that energy to expand, to be an explorer race, and stop being so tribal and primitive. Uh, so that's it for now. Uh, sorry, I was clearing my throat a lot in the beginning. I, uh, I, I don't really talk during the day. So when I try to start talking, it's like, oh, well, this is supposed to be normal. Just, you know, open your mouth. But then it doesn't come out immediately. So it's like, you know, priming a well. So um, sorry about that in the beginning. Uh, anyway, I'm going to sign off here because I'm tired <laughs> and I need to get some sleep. Um, anyway, uh, uh, be careful out there and guard your psyche. Um, for, especially for the, those of you that are exploring, um, guard what you're letting in, guard who you let in. And, um, hopefully we can find a way of moving, um, outward, moving forward. All right. Thanks.